0: Thanks for tuning in to High Point Assembly's podcast where you're going to hear a life-giving message that we hope will encourage you no matter where you are in your walk with Christ. Check out our website at highpointassembly.org for more podcasts, information, and how to join us live in person or online every Sunday. We hope this message blesses you wherever you may be listening from. And remember, no matter where you're at, you belong. Well, good morning, High Point. Thank you for joining us this morning for our online service. This morning, we're going to continue in our series we started last week called A Matter of Trust. We're looking at how essentially important it is to trust fully in God now more than any other time in all things, and all circumstances. Our scripture reference for this entire series is found in the book of Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The word trust is defined by Webster as the reliance on the integrity, strength, ability and surety of a person or a thing. It is a confident expectation of something or someone. And of course, that someone is our heavenly father. So this morning, I want to talk about an area of trust that should be a regular part of our Christian walk. I want to talk specifically today about trusting God for His guidance, for His guidance in our life. Because the truth is, we face a lot of forks in the road throughout our lives. Decisions that, that need to be made, uh, risks that need to be taken, altering, life-altering circumstances that, that we have to respond to. But what I've found is that many Christians never get into the habit of seeking God for direction on these daily things in their life. It's interesting to me that that people of faith, people who love the Lord, don't exercise this essential part of trust by seeking God for his direction. And because of that, you hear them say things like, I'm not even sure where God is leading me, or I'm not even certain I would recognize his leading in my life if he was leading me. And the result of that, sadly, is that through fear and through a lack of understanding and a lack of receiving God's direction, many people become paralyzed. They stand still and and they don't act. They don't do anything. And this is why seeking guidance from God is such a vital part of our Christian walk. Another very real barrier to seeking God's guidance is how many of us tend to be so self-reliant it can become so very easy in this lifetime to run solo, to be, a, to be a one-man show, and to never seek guidance from God. Many have gotten into such a pattern of doing everything and making every decision based upon what they think is right, that the whole idea of seeking and eventually receiving God's guidance and direction is a completely foreign concept to them. But as followers of Jesus, if it is our desire to become more Christ-like, how will that ever happen if we don't learn to seek him in daily matters of our life? God wants to play a vital part in your decisions, in your relationships, in your career, in your business, and in your family. He wants to give you sound guidance and direction if you will in fact seek him out. Here's something else you see in Christian circles. It's when we start to infuse our own agenda over God's plans. It's when we do make a major or a life altering change in direction. We boldly go out and do something that people begin to notice, but we've done so without actually seeking God's direction regarding the matter. And for some reason, because people are noticing, we feel this need to put a spiritual spin on what we're doing. We say words like, I felt the Holy Spirit leading me, or God made it clear to me that this is what I should do. We throw off on the Holy Spirit when sadly he was never a part of it. But to give it credibility, we tack his name onto it. And if you've never been guilty of this, then I am certain that you have heard at some point in your life, somebody say, God told me to and then you fill in the blank. And when you heard that, your, your ears perked up, your antenna went up, because truthfully, we have all heard some pretty bizarre things come out of people's mouths that have been erroneously attributed to God. Some of what you hear doesn't even line up with scripture, but yet we say it, and we've even made life-altering decisions based upon it. Another common thing that you hear in church circles is people making major life decisions, uh, based upon receiving a word from someone else. They have heard someone speak a prophetic word. Now, I want to begin by saying and making very clear this morning, I believe wholeheartedly in the prophetic. God does use people to speak prophetically into your life. I had someone speak a word over me when I was a teenager, and it fully came to pass, and it was very specific. But having said that, let me also say you must be very careful who you receive a word from as well as the content within that word. We all need to ask for spiritual discernment and wisdom in our Christian walk. I have heard some of the most generic prophetic words given to people that would apply to just about anyone or anything in the room at that time. But in the biblical days, when we read about God's prophets who spoke to rulers and kings and leaders and the people of God, it was always very specific. And in those days, if a prophet wasn't being led by God and the prophecy was erroneous, they'd be stoned to death. People don't have to face that kind of scrutiny today. And and therefore we find ourselves being around many self-proclaimed prophets of God out there who provide very vague and very, very general prophecies lacking any specifics or details. Let me say again, you must use your God-given discernment whenever you receive a word from anyone. Does it line up with God's word? Uh, Does it really apply to my situation in a very clear way? If it doesn't, don't make any life-altering decisions based solely upon a word that someone has given you. You see, when God uses a prophetic word through another person, it will be specific and it will not be abstract, and you won't need to look at it from every possible angle and manipulate it to make it fit into your particular circumstance. It will be very clear in how it is prevented, presented, excuse me, and you will understand it, and it will be like a light coming on in your head, and it will confirm something that God has already been dealing with you about. Well, then you, we see those who, who legitimately have received clear direction from God, they respond in obedience and they begin to follow his calling. But soon what happens is things start to begin to be added to his plan. Things that have come from within their flesh, ideas that they have concocted or conceived, alterations that they insist are from God. Keep in mind the original plan was perfect, but now they have altered it so much through their their own desires that it looks nothing like the original. And because of that, it cannot move forward with any great effectiveness because the person has really gotten in the way of God. They have become a bottleneck. They've become an obstacle to God fully working within their situation. And sadly, they they will be put in a holding pattern until they allow God to do what he does, does best. And that is to direct and to guide and to anoint and to empower what needs to be done so that the work can be accomplished. The reason I share those things with you this morning is to lead us into the million-dollar question of the day. For all of us believers, how do I know when God is speaking to me and giving me direction? How do I know if it is God or my human desires? How do I know if it is God or my feelings and my emotions? How do I know if it is God or just the, the pizza I ate last night? a huge issue within the church. And I can't tell you how many times people have come to me to ask for clarification and ask things like, what is God telling me to do here? Well, the truth is no one really knows but you. Now, the Holy Spirit may use me or may use someone else to convert, confirm something for you, but ultimately this is between you and the Lord. If God has placed it within you, only you can decipher and determine if it is God or if it is simply your personal desires and motivations. And as I said before, it's wrong to take our own desires, our own things that we have devised and attach a God told me approach to it when he clearly didn't. But please remember something very important this morning. God does want to guide you in your daily life. He longs for you to trust him so completely that you actively seek his divine direction literally every day. He wants to be a a part of your thoughts. He wants to be a part of your plans, your dreams, your decisions. He will guide you. And the scriptures make this eminently clear. Isaiah 58, 11 says, the Lord will guide you continually. Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will advise you and watch over you. But the trust part that we are going to focus on this morning and through this series is that once He reveals something to you, you need to trust Him that He will see it through. So I want to talk this morning about how we receive guidance from God. And we're going to look at three different topics. First, the conditions required for God's guidance. Secondly, the method that God uses to provide His guidance. And thirdly, the characteristics of the methods that he uses. You see, first, I believe that there are conditions that we must meet if we truly want God given guidance in our life. And I want to go over them with you. Condition number one you must ask for it. In Psalm 24, 25, verses 4 and 5, it says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation on you I will wait all the day. In that scripture, David is asking for God's direction and guidance. You see, in order to receive God's direction, you need to ask for it. James 4 verse 2, the second part of that verse says, you do not have because you do not ask. Now this does not just simply apply to objects or things or possessions. It clearly applies to God's guidance in your daily life as well. Unfortunately, many Christians miss this essential step. We get so wrapped up in doing our own things and making our own plans and decisions without God that we we forget to ever ask Him to be a part of any equation. Let me ask you a question this morning. When was the last time you asked God for guidance in a decision? Did you ask Him when you signed that lease on that home or that apartment? Did you seek him before purchasing that new RV or that investment property? Did you ask him before making the decision to buy that car? Did you ask God for guidance when you quit a good job to take on another job that you thought would be a better opportunity? Did you ask God before you accepted that date proposal? Better yet, did you seek God before you agreed to get engaged? Did you ask him before you decided to go back to school and, and to start a new career path? Did you ask him about how to go about mending a broken relationship? Have you asked him for his guidance on how to move forward when this stay-at-home order is finally removed for all of us? We all need to exercise our trust muscles by asking God for guidance in all things, whether they be big things or whether they be small. It should come as naturally to us as any other part of our Christian walk. And truthfully, if you're making life-altering decisions without seeking God, you are really missing out on his best for your life. You can't possibly mature in your faith until you learn to seek God's direction and then step out in faith by following his direction. This is ground zero, and, and it is where trust is nurtured, and it is where trust is developed. Well, condition number two is you must have the right heart. You cannot live on, a, on the fringe of a relationship with Christ and expect to receive God's guidance in your life in a clear and concise way. And truthfully, if you are casually living for the Lord, you're probably not in the position to be thinking about his guidance in the first place. This is exactly why so many people get in the habit of living life by trusting their own gut instincts by trusting their, their own personal agenda. And that's the way it usually goes until a major event comes along or a trauma or a big decision. That's usually what it takes to trigger something deep inside of us to start to fully seek God, because it can get scary making those big decisions. This is when we finally decide to ask God to fully be a part of our life, and then we ask for His guidance but really when you think about it, this is a a flawed approach. What I'm trying to say is if you are living life far away from God and you are now seeking his immediate guidance for an answer from him on a big decision, how would you even recognize his answer or his direction in the first place? I ask you, if you are living life away from God, how could you even discern his direction if he provided it to you? If you read many of the Psalms, that are written by David, you will see a pattern of repentance in his prayers. He clearly has a desire that nothing ever stand between him and God. David has learned that in order to receive God's favor, his guidance, his strength, that he needs to live a life dedicated to the one who provides all of those things. You see, I believe it's not just sin, but I believe it's even our callous attitude regarding sin and unconfessed sin in our lives that creates a barrier between us and God. And obviously King David did as well. That same unconfessed sin can make us unable to discern his direction. In other words, when you, are, when you have a clear conscience, when there is no sin to cloud things between you and God, that is when you will be able to discern. That is why it is so essential to live in touch with and serving God daily. So if you truly want godly guidance in your life, like we all say that we do, then live your daily life for God. Amen? Here's condition number three. You must be obedient. That was our theme last week, but it cries to be mentioned again. Have you ever asked for and then received and discerned God's guidance and yet gone completely in the opposite direction many people do and when when what they hear is not fitting in well with their life plan let's face it we don't always want to know what god wants from us many christians fear what his guidance might require of them for some it can it can be a price higher than they are willing to pay What's interesting about this is any initial price that you may feel that you are paying through your obedience to God's plan will be minimal when compared to the blessings you will receive through your ultimate obedience. It is true, sometimes obedience can cost you something initially. God may be asking, like we talked last week, to give up some things that, that you're not willing to give up. You can't see past the initial sacrifice, past On to the blessings, the tremendous blessings that are waiting for you. You just can't bring yourself to the point of trusting him enough to see those blessings eventually occur in your life. And what happens is sadly, many people just walk away. That's exactly what I did. I ran. I shared with you last week about my calling into ministry, but something I didn't tell you how was that God called me into ministry when I was a teenager, but I didn't want to do it. I didn't believe that that I measured up. The whole idea literally scared me to death. I didn't think I had what it took to be in ministry, and truthfully, I had other plans. So I ran to avoid God's plan that I didn't agree with. I continued on my own path, which was a huge mistake. Eventually, I was guilt-ridden and knowing that I wasn't in God's will, and I began to medicate my guilt with sin. I went off the deep end. Eventually, I walked away from my relationship with Christ, and sadly, through a series of events and and actions and decisions, my life fell apart, and I became a train wreck. A large percentage of my early adult life is like a blur to me, because I sank deep into sin, and I bottomed out. But God is faithful, and he never let me go, nor his plan for my life, It took me getting out of his way, turning my life over to him completely and trusting in him because he had a plan for my life and it was irrevocable. And though I delayed that plan, though I got in the way of his plan for my life, God's plan still prevailed. I often wonder what I might have been able to accomplish for God's kingdom if I had been obedient the first time that he called me into ministry. The truth is I will never know, but I am confident I missed out on some pretty incredible blessings and and experiences. But again, God is so faithful that now every day I'm experiencing those blessings in my life, both of those things. You see, God doesn't just give us direction and answers to simply satisfy our human curiosity. He provides us both so that we will in fact act upon them because they are God-ordained. Understand that his plans are always perfect, ladies and gentlemen, and we, yet we often shortchange ourselves due to a lack of trust in him and his purposes for our life. The truth is that we shouldn't even ask God for guidance unless and until we are willing to act upon the guidance that he provides. God does not direct the proud or the haughty. He, he directs those who or those who believe that they've got it all figured out. He promises it to the humble and to the obedient people who who are willing to do things his way. And if you humble yourself before the Lord, and then you ask him and you trust him, he will direct you in the way you should go. As the scripture says, he will make your path straight. And his direction, guess what? It's always spot on. And you can never go wrong when you pursue his plan for your life. Well, those are some of the conditions for receiving God's guidance, but I also want to talk about methods that God uses to provide us with his guidance. There are many, and this certainly, this list I'm going to give you is not an exhaustive list, but there are ones that I have found are essentially important and effective. And the first one I want to talk about is that, that inner voice. Now, I'm not so much talking about an audible voice from God, though some people have said that they've heard an audible voice. I'm talking about impressions that are literally constant in my spirit. It can be hard to explain, but the best way I can describe it is you have this sense that God is clearly telling you or directing you somewhere to do something. You just can't shake that impression. It it is constant. It is specific. And it is very clear. This is the part that can be so tricky because you start asking yourself, is this me or is this God? And the one thing that I have learned is whenever it's me, my plans will always change with my emotions and with my feelings. And as time goes on, as I said earlier, it it gets altered. The plan evolves. But the Word of God tells us that our Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He does not change. And I have likewise learned that his direction, though never filled with exacting detail, doesn't change either. He knows that once we are obedient to his plans, and once we act according to his plans, it is only then when it takes on life, when it grows, and when it develops his way. Don't ever discount that inner voice. Some call it their conscience. Some call it intuition. But it is the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of you, that is directing you. Another method that God uses for direction in our life is the Bible, the written word of God. I have a pastor friend who has taken on new assignments at churches that were in need because he felt God's direction and calling. And with every move that he has made, God provided him with a scripture that he stood upon to confirm his leading he can share a specific scripture with you regarding all four moves that he has made in his long career path in ministry. In fact, he says he won't make a move because God hasn't given me a word yet. Now, seldom will there be an exact verse in the Bible pertaining to your specific situation but there will be parallels to your situation. There will be promises that pertain to your situation. Confidence will be sparked within you through God's word. Peace will rest upon your decision through God's written word and revelation will occur as you study God's word. The Bible is full of direction if you read it and if you seek it. So when you have an impression from that inner voice and when it aligns with the word of God you have the assurance that you need to act upon it. Well, another method that God uses to bring guidance to us is through circumstances. This is when we talk about doors opening for you, or doors shutting for you, or closing for you. This is when things come together that make it a reality, or when they completely disappear and make it an impossibility. The trick here is not for you to orchestrate the opportunity or the collapse. We can sometimes fabricate an open door through our own means and from our own liking. And on the other end, we can further sabotage or manipulate a door closing that was open for us, but we walked away from it. And we often utilize these things as a way not to follow through on what God has called us to do. We can be so impatient sometimes that we walk through what we perceive to be a door opened by God. We think we know exactly how God is going to operate in a particular situation that we jump through the first door that opens that was never designed for us to walk through. On the other hand, we can also have a door open for us, clearly orchestrated by God, but because of our indecision and because of our lack of trust in God, that door closes due to our inaction. So, any door, any open door, must line up with these other things we've discussed. In his book, The Secret of Guidance, F.B. Myers wrote this. I like this. It says, God's impressions within and his word without are always collaborated by his providence around. We should quietly wait until these three focus into one point. If you do not know what you ought to do, stand until you do. When the time comes for action, circumstances like glowworms will sparkle along your path. You will become so sure that you are right when God's three witnesses concur. Those three witnesses, he says, are impressions, God's word, and God's providence. Well, another way that God grants us guidance is through godly counsel and that is receiving guidance from other people. And I'm not talking about receiving counsel from people who have a superficial relationship with God. I'm talking about those who are tuned in, those who are the prayer warriors for Christ, those who know him and know the word of God well, those who have all experienced and are still experiencing his direction and his growth in their life. It could be an elder of this church, a layperson, an intercessor, a prayer warrior. It could be a pastor. In whatever form they come, they are in touch and in tune with God. And confirmation can be given through these individuals. They may not have a clue specifically about what's going on in your situation, but they may have a word for you that is so powerful and so relevant to the decision at hand that it will solidify deep down in your spirit exactly what you are to do and it will often confirm something that God has revealed to you already in your spirit. God uses people to help you. It is called seeking wise and godly counsel. It is a biblical principle, but again, unfortunately, it's a resource that few of us ever utilize. So, okay, Pastor David, you've just wrapped this all up in a pretty little package, and I am clear now without question or concern. Listen, I know that that is not true. I am simply attempting to give you help in understanding how God does give direction, and furthermore, my hope and my prayer is that you would develop the kind of trust in him that allows you to follow his direction. So let's say God is calling you to do something out of the ordinary, and he's pursuing you, or you are clearly at a decision-making point and really seeking God's guidance in making a proper decision. I'd like to go back to the inner voice that we talked about earlier, that I know to be the Holy Spirit. You see, this is almost always where it begins with me in my personal life. As I said earlier, you need to make sure that that inner voice is God and not you. So I wanna spend a little bit of time and elaborate on the characteristics of that inner voice that I believe will help you. One of the characteristics that you will find in that inner voice is that it carries weight. It will not be a wimpy, it will not be an uncertain voice, but it will have authority and it will have conviction. In the book of Matthew chapter 7, you can read about how amazed the people were with Jesus' authority. Not like they were with any other teachers of the law, but with his true authority that was granted to him by God the Father. Even the unbelievers recognized the authority that Jesus possessed. So likewise, that voice that speaks to you will speak as a voice of authority. F. Stanley Jones wrote, perhaps the rough distinction is this, the voice of the subconscious argues with you and tries to convince you. But the inner voice of God does not argue or try to convince you. It just speaks and is in itself authenticating. It has the feel of the voice of God within. Well, another characteristic of that inner voice is that it carries Peace. God's voice is never anxious. It is never shrilled. And here's a litmus test for you if you feel God is speaking to you and it makes you depressed or tense or anxious or stressed, it's probably not from God. God is a God of order and peace. And though while pursuing His call in your life, you may have moments of anxiety. You may have moments of stress, but understand the call will still be sure, and it will still be convincing. Don't misunderstand me. At times, God's voice can be challenging when he takes us completely out of our comfort zone, but there will always be a sense of peace about it. Another characteristic of that inner voice is that it carries consistency. It won't change the message will be consistent, and it will be something that you just can't shake. It becomes constant, and it does not leave you. And and not only is it constant, but it it is consistent with God's ways, and it will never ever contradict scripture. It will never be anything dishonest, or it will never be anything that would be accomplished at the expense of other people. It will always have a right feel to it, and it will always be bathed in Christian love. So let me sum up this whole thing. When that inner voice provides a constant and continual impression, when it carries weight and it carries peace and consistency, and that voice or impression is confirmed by and lines up with the Word of God, and while seeking godly counsel, it has been confirmed in your spirit through another person, and when circumstances provide an open door for you to walk through, and you are certain that that door has been opened for you, is been opened by God, then what else do you do? You pray some more, and then you step out in faith. You see, the beauty of seeking and receiving God's direction in your life is that it carries such weight, and it comes with such inner peace and consistency that it becomes easy for you to trust him. And as you step out into that new decision, that that new season, that new life-altering appointment with confidence, it allows you to do that. Always remember, God will never call you to a decision or to a place or to a position or into any kind of a situation where he will not sustain you within that. Wherever, whoever God has, whenever God is involved, there will always be provision there will always be peace. There will always be strength. And there will always be power to accomplish it. And when you see yourself living with all of that, trust in God is solidified. And once you have experienced this, trusting in Him in everything becomes very, very easy for you. Let me just mention one other thing that we often overlook. Something so basic and so simple that if we could just learn to apply to our daily lives guidance could be so much clearer. And it's found in Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Remember, we got it on our signs. That's our theme for this year for our church. We Americans move at such a fast pace. And you know, the truth is, as Christians, we're no different. And sometimes we just need to slow down and we need to be still and we need to spend some quality time with God. Because truthfully, folks, How is it even possible to hear God when we're moving at breakneck speed and noise completely surrounds us every moment of every day? Don't let your life be so full and action-packed that you have no time to be still before the Lord. You know our enemy, he has used effectively relentless schedules and activities and technology to keep us away from being with God, to keep us in a holding pattern when we don't grow, where we don't obtain new and fresh revelation from God that we so desperately need. I mean, how could we anyway? We stay so busy. By the time we do find a window of opportunity to be with God, we're so tired. We can't even keep our eyes open. How sad that must make our heavenly father when he wants to guide us in the right path. And yet we can't find the time to seek him, let alone hear his voice. This is probably the most important thing that I'm sharing with you through this entire message today. Slow down, be still, and learn to listen. Turn off the computer. Turn off the TV. Turn off the headset and the music and the noise. Slow down your pursuits, your conquering, your obtaining, your doing. Slow down enough to give God the opportunity to be Lord over your plans and your decisions because he will guide you, but you've got to tune in to his frequency. I want to end this like I did last week with words from an old hymnal we used to sing in church when I was a kid. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh for grace to trust him more. Ladies and gentlemen of High Point, trust is all about obedience. Initially living a life of obedience to God's word, his commandments, and his precepts. But obedience also involves the acting upon what God has called you to do. And what he desires for your life. If you are ever going to attain his purposes and his destiny that he has planned out specifically for you, you'll have to get to the point of seeking him first. You'll need to seek his voice, no matter how he communicates it to you, and ultimately be able to identify it, to act upon it, and fully trust him in it. Don't ever get so busy that you eliminate God from giving you direction and guidance. Don't ever get so lazy that you get caught into the trap of receiving your guidance from people who don't have a clue. True guidance comes from God first. Then and only then will confirmation come through other people and the other sources that I've discussed with you today, but ultimately you must seek God first. My hope is that you will seek him passionately every day of your life, but even more importantly, you trust him as he offers his guidance and step out in faith as he leads and as he directs you. And speaking of God's direction, and specifically that inner voice, there are people watching here today who need Jesus. Receiving guidance from God is a completely foreign concept to you because you have not allowed Jesus' lordship over your life. But there is one thing that I know for sure. God will always guide and direct you to his son, Jesus. If you're watching this morning and what I've been talking about is a bit foreign to you, that's okay. Because the kind of direction that you need from God right now is to receive free salvation, the gift of free salvation that is offered by his son, Jesus. See, Jesus came into this world and he lived a sinless life. He was rejected. He was sent to the cross to die for the sin of all mankind. He died for my sin. He died for your sin, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later. And through his resurrection power, you can be set free. You can begin a new life in Christ Jesus. And then you too can receive daily guidance for your life through the Holy Spirit who now indwells you once you ask Jesus into your heart. So if you'd like to receive Jesus as Lord this morning, the Bible says that all you need to do is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. In a moment, I'm going to pray And when I pray, you pray quietly on your own. Simply tell Jesus you believe he is the son of God, that he is the only way to eternal life. And ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and to be the Lord of your life. And the Bible says that he is faithful to save you. And for those who are already saved, you have a relationship with God, but you've come to realize this morning that that you really don't seek God's will for your life often enough. Or maybe you don't even consult him many of your life's decisions. Well, you too can pray that God would open your heart, that God would open your mind and your spirit in such a way that you you would become wanting and willing to not only seek his direction, but to act upon the direction that he gives you for your life. Will you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time we can spend together on this online service. I thank you for the many people that have tuned in Thank you for your blessings, Lord. I thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you are a God who wants to give us direction and guidance and advice. And that you, are, you desire us to seek you in these matters. But Lord, often we are the obstacle. We are the ones that get in the way. We don't even think to ask you about big decisions in our life, let alone little ones. So would you open our hearts? Would you open our hearts to, to ask you to play a bigger role? Or should I say to permit you, allow you, to play a bigger part in our life, that that we would push flesh and self aside and we would allow you to guide and direct us in, in, in all things. Lord, show us ways to seek you in effective ways where we can hear your voice. Help us to be able to discern your voice from our own desires. I know that comes through a deepening relationship with you and my heart's desire and my prayer for this entire body is that we would all draw closer to you come to know you in greater and more intimate ways where there would never, ever be a question as to whose direction we were following. We were following yours. And Lord, for those watching today who are not in a relationship with you, I pray that they would have the courage to pray a simple prayer of belief and confession, that they believe you're the son of God and that you died on the cross for them and that your blood, your shed blood, atones for their sin and they receive that, ask you to forgive them of their sin and become the Lord of their life. And as your spirit indwells them, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in greater ways tomorrow than you do today and the next day and the next, because that's the way you operate. But Father, give them a hunger and a thirst to know you more and to not let it end with a simple prayer, but to get into your word and to come to know who you are on a personal and an intimate way. I thank you for this time together. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that everything turns us back to Jesus our Savior and our Lord, and that when we have him in our life and we are in a right relationship, God, there is nothing that you cannot do for us, through us, or in us. We thank you for that promise, and we thank you for being here today. and We ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.